Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. First team ball of the season. Goes to Coach Shane, man. man everybody's rally behind you we got your back man appreciate you yes, sir. Yes, sir. hey listen the only thing i noticed okay we'll talk about the game later but when you when you stand at the top of that tunnel okay and a former player said here he said if you ain't limping come up that tunnel then don't come up the tunnel mm-hmm. and guys are landed on the line hey i surprise lowest of lows man we stay right here right we don't do what you do can you win the game in the first quarter All right, get fired up, get excited. Look at this squeaky wheel gets the grease. Chris and I made the point last week that we had enough of being relegated (laughs) to the Studio equivalent of kids' table all the way down the hall, around the corner, tucked out of sight, the place they never take visitors, the place they want no one to see. We are in Studio One, not the big desk, but still, this is where I stand a lot of the time during football night in America. We got lights, we got neon, it's bright, but it's still not perfect. It's still not Matthew Berry's studio. we're, we're We're still... And he did say to me yesterday, hey, you should continue that bit and use my studio someday. Right. And it's like, well, you know what? Maybe we will. <laughs> try to but we got into Studio One. This is the crown jewel. This is the premiere. This is where they bring the visitors first, not last. But we feel naked without our stick mics. I really do. I was like, I'm, I'm so used to having it and kind of leaning on it. And like right now, and I, I sit here every day, talk to you and kind of work around it. Right. And We're going to be all like, elbows you know, like, and arms. Oh, and how do we oh, sit? And what yes, do we do? Hello, how are you? Anyway, the show is PFT Live. We're here for two hours. It's Monday morning, week two, almost in the books. Two games tonight. So we'll talk about most, if not all, of the games from yesterday at some point or another in the next two hours. Sirius XM 85. Peacock, Sky Sports, whenever we're on. We were live for four days, and now we're not, but that's okay. People seem to like it that way. Podcast, never live. 
and these clips wherever they may show up on PFT or wherever else, YouTube. Plenty of people watch on YouTube. A lot of people watch on PFT. But here we are. Here we Chris are. is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because how, when did you get home last night I after got, doing uh, your podcast? I got home, I think, around 1-something. Or no, 12.30. 12.30. I went to sleep like a little bit before 1.30. So are you doing your podcast while... The late game is still I on. Like literally was in the middle, I think, of like talking Cowboys Jets. And I was like, it's fourth down for the Patriots. Oh, my gosh, Mac. I like did a play-by-play. Yeah. Like, you know, Mac Jones, they bust through. Whoa, great job getting the ball out of his hands. And then Gasecki having the ball yeah. right and doing all that. So, yeah, we're kind of having fun doing that. It's just, you know, behind the curtain look. Uh, Ahmed Farid's awesome and, you know, kind of driving the ship of our podcast. And then I can be crazy Chris Sims and open my big mouth and yeah we kind of keep our eye on that as we discuss what happened in the NFL and everything but it, it uh, yeah good week too I am tired like no joke I was in in Michigan on on Saturday night for a football game uh, how'd that go it went pretty I mean it was it went forever it was one of those college games where Washington who is one of the best teams in college football we will be talking about Michael Penix Jr., their quarterback, next year, the draft time, right? He's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. So that was cool to see and get a chance to see him in person a little bit. Uh, and they're exciting offense. For a college offense, they're as much like the Chiefs or the Miami Dolphins or whatever with moving pieces and really explosive down the field. But, yeah, I'm a little freaking tired. I am. I watched my first start-to-finish college football game wow. in a long time. Because usually it's just bits and pieces, West Virginia and Pitt. As soon Man. as I got to the hotel, okay. settled in, got some dinner, 749 kickoff because the Alabama game ran late. It was boring. It was sluggish. It was old school. It wasn't a lot of high-flying. West Virginia West Virginia won. West Virginia won. Okay, good. Q yeah. Country Roads. Yeah, wow. So I'll well. back, I, I'm at least, like, putting half of my ass back onto the bandwagon until this week when they lose to whoever they play. I think they get into the Big 12 schedule. You feel I, comfortable over here on this place? No, right we're getting used to it. We're yeah. getting used to it. We'll but, get I our, mean, this is your spot. I'm I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm standing usually. I'm never standing, sitting here. You're giving your report, and I'm usually over here at this table where it's, like, all the losers are at table nine. That's me over there. There, right? No, you got a great shot though. When we do the picks, yeah, and they throw to me and Matthew Barry, and then we throw to you. Right. Like that's a great behind it a you. It's bit, great with logos and cool. names. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Moving, that's pretty moving good. Parts. And we got the big screen though, but you got all sorts of stuff behind you that looks neat. I'm going to bring something else up too that you're probably not going to like, but I'm going to bring it up either way because it's really going to be a compliment in the end. Let me preemptively say, "Fuck you." <laughs> yes. Fuck you too. <laughs> but <laughs> we're out of studio one already. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, I had like. A great lap last night. When you oh, I know you did. Maria Taylor's ankle. I don't know what happened. I don't know either. I have no idea what happened. Because I'm always amazed at... I think really, I might have Tourette's syndrome. Ha- Late-life Tourette's syndrome. I just blurted her name out while I was talking about Saquon Barkley. And, 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 and like, you're, like, the most perfect... I, Not I, last night. I know. But, like, that's where I even, you know, go home with my wife, Danielle, and it's just you never miss a word. I'm always like, is he reading the teleprompter? Or is he really just speaking that clearly? You never miss anything. And last night was the first I time no ever where happened. I was like, I saw it in your eye, too. Once you said Maria Taylor, you were like, wait, what did I I'm say? 
But I, but I recovered. You recovered. They were happy. Smoothly. That's what was weird. Yeah. Because I saw Matt Casey and Ron Vaccaro afterward, and I said, guys, I'm sorry. They're like, no, it was great. It was better than if you'd gotten it right. It was great. You yeah, recovered so it well. Really it was is. funny. It can't always be perfect. But, it, but it's, it's like, hey, you took, you took like what just would have been a plain old moment. It made it. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It's we real. It's TV. Stuff happens. Her, your ankle already. Yeah. So I told my wife that. She's like, no, it still would have been better if you hadn't screwed up. I said, I know I can count on you to make me feel better about the situation. Keep me. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was that was a moment. And that's one of those that, even though they were cool about it, that's one of those that, like, I try not to obsess over dumb stuff like that. Yeah, but, I like, know. you know, but you I, when, I'm, when, I, when it was finally time to go to sleep last night, I'm like, I think, I can't believe I did something that friggin' stupid. Like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. does that even happen? Oh, and we're so, and, and part of it, too, Don't is. Don't ask me, of all people. What, but when, when, and this, this is a reminder of the old days when. I think things are a little looser now, so you don't feel as... And it's part of the evolution of the show. Yeah. It's the evolution of TV. Like Social media, 10, 12 years ago, it was all very tight and right. produced. And you've got that limited slice of time, and you've got to nail it. To talk, and you've got to get right. off. Right. So, and it's like all... And it's all written. It's, and it's like you feel like, you feel like you, you, your head's going to explode. And it's looser now. So it's it just... It's a different vibe, and it's fun. And so when you screw up, it's easier to have fun with it and lean into it. Because if I'd have done that 10 or 12 years ago, I just would have had my brain short circuit, and that would have been the end of it. And I probably would have quit last night, and I wouldn't be sitting here today. Right. So it worked out well. All right, good. Hey, so, you know, every now and then you throw an interception, you rebound, you come back and throw a touchdown. Came back. Well, and okay. you know what? When I came back, you right. threw it to me on Chris Jones, yeah. and, and we nailed that one. And I didn't say – he said the quote to me about being on, on a pitch, pitch count. count. Right. I'm done with this shit. And I had to be careful not to quote him exactly on NBC last night. We can say it now. Yeah. He said, I, I said stuff last night, right. but he didn't say stuff. Yeah, but he said, I'm done with this shit. And I said to him afterward, because people were like, oh, you're breaching confidence. I said, can I quote you on that? And he said, hell yeah, you can. Yeah, right. So. Hey, that's, that's good. He just wants to play ball. He was phenomenal. I know we'll get to him. I had, did you have any idea he was on a pitch count? Uh, I had a feeling. I didn't know that spe- like specifically. No, I didn't know that factually. I guess is what I should say there. But you know, I, I didn't think they were just going to let him play. Your 65. microphone might be off. You might be coming through me. I don't know. You got a button in the back. We're breaking this in. Do we have Chris's microphone, or is it coming through me? Well, it's the other one. It's the other one. It's the mic pack. It's, it's the, the other pack. side. Okay. See, this Hold is on. what happens well, hey, we're, this when you is, move this to obviously, studio. This desk right here. Right here. There's a button there. That's the one. That's it. There's the one flaw in the design of the. They wireless microphone it has me. to actually be turned on all right so i don't i don't know if i did it oops there we go there we go now i'm hearing chris here and through my microphone but that's okay I it's a little too. mixed minus yeah I so we're getting a little mixed minus in chris's microphone if we can do that but but again this is this is uh this is you know when you move into a new house it's there's always something that you got to fix right away well, this, so, is, this, this is, is one of those where you're like, like you got to be careful what you wish for you, well, you make a big deal about something, something, they move you, we, we have fun, we're excited about it. And now it's like, damn, uh, can, can we, we go, go back, back to Studio 6 and just be in my own little cubby again? I've lived long enough to to be suspicious of whether or not there's some intentional sabotage to teach us to not ask for things. Uh, right. And that, that goes, boy, yeah, that goes back go to, there. listen, well, you know why? Because when I was a kid, I learned a very valuable lesson. Not that I use it now, but when I was a kid and I was made to cut the grass, I realized if I screwed it up really bad, they'd stop asking. Yeah, right. So, so uh, if, if they screw things up badly enough, we'll stop asking. And I'm just kidding. Look, it was great that we got down here. I, 
I didn't expect to be in here. The deal was I had to move here right. for us to be in Studio One. I haven't moved here, and I don't plan to move here. Well, we're going to keep, keep working on Although I might involuntarily be kept here, I'd keep checking the weather after last Monday. I'm having flashbacks to getting trapped on a hot plane yeah, for three hours. Rain all day. Uh-oh. But the flights are going off as scheduled okay. from LaGuardia. I've all checked. Right, I found a website that tells all the flights, and it's green. Personally, green means I go. I will be mad if you're here again tomorrow morning. We're going to the Sealer game tonight with no, my family. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So i got to make it home for that. Yeah, yeah you, you do, do have, have to get All right. So, so I don't made, wish that on you. You made some snarky comment last week about, oh, you're going to be there anyway. You I may know. just go, go see I your did. second favorite team. Right. So I figured, what the hell? Maybe I will. So I threw that idea Maybe there, I and will. Like, and, and you, you called some people, people and got some tickets, and you're doing it? It didn't quite happen that way, yeah. but and I'll tell you the story sometime, but it's just something that kind of happened. It's like, all right, let's go to the game. All right, awesome. awesome. Enjoy, Enjoy it tonight, man. man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, what happened, happened in the other game. game. Well, well, I think the gates open early enough that, like, settle in, and I can watch you the game. I assume the Wi-Fi at all these stadiums is great now. I'll just watch the... Depends on how many people are there. It's questionable. Yeah. All you right. Know, well, we'll find we out. That. I'll find out. And you know what? It's Saints Panthers anyway. I mean, who cares? Right. right. I'm sorry, <laughs> but really, who cares? I, I not because of the Saints. I think the Saints. I, like when you look at the schedule and you look for games that would jump out in Week Two and be worthy of that spot. The Panthers are who knows. I was a little surprised. Yeah, were... and the Saints, the, the Saints are the Saints. The Saints yeah. have some 15 potential. years of equity yeah, built up. Sure, so right. the Saints in Monday night I got no problem with. But the Panthers, as of right now, second week with Bryce Young, and they knew all this when they set the schedule. I'm thinking it just kind of feels like they're just looking for a game to stick in that spot. Like it could have been any game. It could have been Packers Falcons. It could have been Bears Bucks. Like that game is as average random as any game was yesterday. Like. So anyway, we'll talk about it later, but you know how we do our Monday Night Previews. It's the last segment of the show for about 30 seconds, and we say, who do you like if we even say that much? Let's get to the game that I wasn't sure we'd be talking about right out of the gates today because I thought, based upon the first half, when it was 17-3, to it was just going to be methodical and second-half boring and check the box and, you know, a, a couple big plays more for the Dolphins, and that's it. But the Patriots hung around. The Patriots made it interesting. And it went down to the last minute or so with a, I don't want to say controversial call, because I think they got it right. I do, too. But on fourth down, fourth and four, I believe it was, the throw to Mike Gesicki, who did everything in his power to try to get to the sticks. Once he realized it just wasn't happening, back went the ball to Cole Strange, and he rumbled, bumbled, and stumbled, and the way they spotted it, he had gotten there. Now, as he fell, I thought, he hasn't made it. He didn't make it. But then they, they came out with the spot, and it's like, hey, you know what? They, they, did, they did make it. They're telling us to move apart a little bit so the screen behind us doesn't say big turd, I guess. Right. Um, so <laughs> so he, he did make it. And uh, according to the spot, but then when we start seeing the replay, it's like, you know, I don't think he made it, but will there be clear and obvious evidence to overturn yeah, it? it, was, it That's what surprised me because under the strict clear and obvious standard, because I've had people explain it to me before. Dean Blandino, when he was the VP of officiating and working for the league office and doing a great job explaining what this standard was, because you don't reofficiate the play with the benefit of video. You look at the video and you ask yourself, is it clear and is it obvious? And I remember he explained it to me one time in the context of a punt, I think, in a Bears-Seahawks game where you could tell by looking at the video, the ball clearly moved, which means it had to have hit the leg of, I think it was a Bears player, either Bears or Seahawks. 
But you could tell the ball doesn't normally move like that. So there's no way that happened without hitting the player. But he said, for it to be clear and obvious, we have to see it hit the player so we can't overturn that. And I thought of that last night with that because I don't think it's clear and obvious in the classic sense that he failed to make it. Because there's no, there's no way to know with 100% certainty that he didn't. I believe he didn't. And I believe the call on the field was incorrect. But if we're going to be true to the clear and obvious standard, I was surprised they overturned it. Really? Yeah. Even though they got it right. So I got no problem with it at the end of the day. But it just adds to this confusion and the temptation when it's time to engage in replay review to not apply the standard and say, you know what? I know what happened. Back to that Bears-Seahawks play. I know that ball moved, so I'm going to rule it was a fumble, even though I didn't see with my eyes on the videotape clear and obvious evidence of it. I don't think it's it, – because there's no – as Mike Tirico was saying last night, it happened away from hash marks. It happened away from a clear thing that you could use to, to be 100% sure that that line – you know, the old parallax view, yeah. like if you're sitting in the passenger seat of the yeah. car, it looks like you got less gas than you have. It looks I like the car's going slower than it's going because you're looking from the side. We didn't have a clean straight-down-the-line angle. I still think he was short, but as that term has been explained to me over the years – I think it was a stretch for them to find it was clear and obvious. Uh, that, that's yeah. all I'm saying. I, I, yeah, I didn't. It, it was, was right down, down the line. line. You could see the orange marker behind it. But it, was tur- it wasn't straight. It was know. turned just enough that you got to say, is it clear and obvious? Again, I'm fine with yeah. it as long as they get it right. But it does introduce that element of where's the line between I think we're right the hell with clear and obvious because I think that's what came into play last yeah, night. Maybe it did. Uh, I honestly thought from the get-go when he got the, the, the spot first came in, I went, oh, that was a bad spot by the ref. He didn't get there I, I, right away because you saw the leg fall. The ball was in the right hand. You saw that the knee and shin was down. Yes. Right, so I, I thought it was pretty apparent. Um, I know, I and mean, listen, it, it's close. I get you there. Pretty apparent, it's not clear and obvious. Well, I just go back to an obvious. I, I mean, what? I, yeah, they don't paint lines on the field, right? So I don't know. Then it's never going to be clear. And exactly. Obvious. Well, because they're still using two chains. But I mean, there was, there was a yellow line, and we saw, and I know the yellow line's unofficial. I also know how long a yard is. Right. And right now, his knee hits there, and his body wasn't at that orange marker. We're looking right down the line. I know, but the orange marker is it. That orange, that orange pylon is a camera. My point is, my point is, they tell us clear and obvious, clear and obvious, clear and obvious, clear and obvious. And this is the classic situation where it's very difficult to have clear and obvious because they don't have a full grid with lines drawn where we can be clear and obvious. I know. So I, that's so my point is, they got it right. Football. They got yeah. it right. right. That's as clear and obvious as it gets in that situation. Yeah. But that situation is not con- is not conducive ever to clear and obvious, when you're away from a hash mark, when you're away from a line, when you're away from some sort of objective marker on the field that you can use to cross-reference. I mean, anytime you start cross-referencing and doing that, that's when a guy like Blandino says it's not clear and obvious. If you've got to look at two different angles and piece them together, it's not clear and obvious. If you've got to say, well, I see this, I see this, I see this. And, and so, again, I think they're constantly going to struggle with that because there's what you see and what you believe and then there's the clear and obvious stand. Well, we knew where the first down had to be. He had to get to what was it, the 29, and he did not get to the 29. That, that to me, I don't, I don't, I disagree with Dean Blandino. We saw clips there to go. He didn't get to the 29. I believe they, they got, got it right. Right, I know. But 
I don't want to belabor the point. I just think that it underscores the fact that sometimes they just reofficiate the play with video sure. instead of apply the clear and obvious standard. And as an advocate for having someone in the booth wearing the black and white stripes who's a member of the crew who actively reofficiates with video and has the benefit of those angles and talks to the referee on the field and right. says, look, I'm not down there with the rest of you trying not to be trampled by the gladiators without the benefit of helmets and pads. I can look at this dispassionately and say he didn't make it, spot the ball here. I'm fine with officiating via video. But we just need to keep that in mind because at some point there's going to be a call where it really isn't clear and obvious and it's close, but somebody's going to think that's what happened. Well, the and the we're going to be saying that should have been overturned. They're over-officiated, right? I could go to the end of the first half where they had the 10-second runoff, right? Barrios caught the ball down by what was that, the four or five-yard line, right? They called them out of bounds. Then they reviewed it, and his knee touched just barely. And I know that was clear and obvious, but my point is for three and a half quarters, that would have been out of bounds, or, you know, the whole half, that was out of bounds, stop the clock. But now we're going to go back and nitpick and re-ref the play. And that, to me, is where, okay, that's the world we're living in right now. Well, but that's the way it's always been since they've had replay reviewed in the final two minutes of the half of the yeah, game. They make it automatic review of those situations. Look, I've said for It was years, a phenomenal play by Mac Jones, who was under pressure, yeah. right? It was a phenomenal play by Gasicki. I give the refs credit for letting the play go a little bit and not blowing the whistle and saying forward progress, right? And... Uh, you know, listen, I, I hear what you're saying. There's going to be people that disagree with me. There's going to be people disagree with you. Uh, but from, from what we've seen with spotting the football and, and all that across the league on different plays, I thought that was standard to what they always do. It just gets put under a microscope because it was the last play of the game and it cost the Patriots the loss. So, uh, final score, 24-17, to 17, and it was 17-3. to 3 and, the pay- and, look, and, and I'm in the similar position you are because we're in here doing videos, and the game still happened, yeah, and by right. no, it's the end of the third quarter. It's right. like, what the hell's happened? How they scored the touchdown? And so you almost have to go back and rewatch the whole game, uh, which is something that hopefully I'll have time to do this week. But the bottom line is the Dolphins pull it off. They go to New England. They get the win. And Tua is now 5-0 and against Bill Belichick. Yeah. And I know that... It's not just him. Sure. But at a certain point, when you have one specific quarterback going against one specific team, and that quarterback's team keeps winning and winning and winning and winning, at some point you say, especially when it's Bill Belichick, you say, holy crap, this yeah, is, this is significant. Like right. five, and, when you get to five, that's when you start to say, something weird is going on here that, that this guy playing for this team consistently has the number of the greatest coach in NFL history. They're 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 a a tough tough matchup for the Patriots. Patriots. That's the the big thing. thing. When When it came down to it last night, picking the football game, I just went, the Dolphins are well coached, and they have more talent. And I'm not going to try to overanalyze on that. And I think I was nervous because it is Belichick. It's a defense that's very talented. They know how to make a game ugly and muck it up a little bit, right? But, 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 but at the same time, I think once we, one, the one thing we saw with the Patriots again last night is 
Hey, there's lack of explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, and they're a team for the second week in a row that made some self-inflicted mistakes that they can't afford to make when you play the Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's what it comes down to. You know, we knew the Dolphins' offense was going to have moments and make some plays and do all that. Kudos to Mike McDaniel for staying patient with the run. Mozart has over 100 yards rushing. I think that's the difference between the Dolphins of last year and this year. Through two weeks, when the defense says, we're not going to let you throw the ball deep, McDaniel, Tua, everybody, they're going, okay, we got another track star behind me here. Let's give it to this guy, Raheem Mostert, and stress them out. And then the Patriots, which are you all, we always talk about, are kind of a big physical football team, and they have problems with speed teams. They have problems with Shanahan's 49ers, and this team is very similar to that too, where they just can't match up across the board or – sideline to sideline with the speed that the Miami Dolphins have and bring to the table, and that's where they're special. And, yeah, the Patriots have to play a certain type of game, ugly, control the clock, don't make turnovers. And last night, you know, unfortunately for them, that they made a few and it cost them. One of the areas where the Dolphins need to be a little more buttoned up is these, these uh, snap miscues because that almost spelled doom for the Dolphins last yeah. night. It felt like they're methodically just kind of ripping the hearts out of the Patriots. They're not going to get the ball back. They're going to move it into at least an easily right. makeable field goal. And then on third down, a fumbled snap, 55-yard field goal. Mm, they miss that. They miss it, and right. it opens the door for the Patriots to try to drive down the field and tie the game. And I just – there it is. Just drop – just ball on the ground on third and short. And if they'd have gotten that first down – you know, it's it's almost to the point of night-night if they get that first down uh, or they're getting that field goal closer where they go up by 10. But that fumble, they lose just enough yardage. It becomes a 55-yard field goal. He misses it, and it gives the Patriots a chance. And I, I, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth mentioned this at some point. Here's the miss. If the Patriots had scored on that drive, yeah. I think there's a chance to go for two and just get the hell out of Dodge and not go to overtime against that team with that offense. There's a good chance, too. I think they're the type of team that would have gone, hey, we got some plays for the two-point here, two or three that we really like. Let's dial it up and go for the win. I think I wouldn't have been mad at them for that type of call either because I don't think they're the better team on the football field. So I think that's when you take your chance if you're them. Um, but, but it's the second week in a row, to your point, that we've seen snap exchange issues with the Dolphins. They fumbled a snap on the first drive of the, the game last week against the Chargers on the five-yard line. It cost them a chance to get points. And there was a few other, you know, shotgun. With all the moving parts they have, the ball does hit the ground a little bit. And with that type of offense, just an experience, Mike, like since they do so much movement – and linemen are also doing aggressive movements with what's going on in the backfield. It's, it's centers take some aggressive steps in that type of offense, and you got to be careful and really kind of ride your hands, you know, right with the center according to what the play call is. And that can be hard sometimes for a quarterback because you're trying to grab and get back to a Raheem Mostert who's also fast, and you want to make sure you get there. And yet the center's moving in an opposite direction, and that's where it can be tough when you're, you know, running those type of plays that the Dolphins do. This fast motion they use pre-snap, awesome. it almost feels like, because as we're in the midst of it, I don't know that we're able to process it because we're 
focusing on all these different games, all these different plays, all these different trends, all these different things. It's almost like the dawning of a new age of offensive football, though. It's almost got a CFL quality to it. You know, in the CFL, they can run toward the line. Yeah, right. There was a play last night where the motion started so close to the snap, and it was so abrupt from a guy who you thought was set. Right. It was almost a false start. Like, all of a sudden, this guy just darts away to his left. and It's violent and yes, aggressive. Yes, yes. Right. It's not your usual guy starting into motion where he just kind of gets up and he starts jogging no. and then maybe speeds up. It's like, zoom. Like, he's everybody's set, and, and at the play, you feel like the snap is imminent, and somebody starts moving. And I just think that has got to mess up a defense. That's what the whole idea of it is. Exactly right. You, the defense thinks they have the play diagnosed or some idea of what's going to go on, and then all of a sudden, one – factor in the equation changes abruptly and suddenly and you've got to process all of it and by the time your brain begins to process it the play has started exactly Exactly right right. that's That's what what it's all about about. just Just to to get get the the defense defense to pause for a second second. the 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 aggressiveness and the speed in which waddle and tyree can just fly across the formation formation. they're They're hoping that yes somebody will you know, bust the gasket as far as what they're supposed to do on that side of the ball. One wrong step, and you know one of those guys are gone. But think about it this way. Like, say you got Tyree Kill to the right, and to the left is Waddle, and the defense wants to play cover three. So the corner's up there on Waddle, and he goes, wait, I just got to stay in my deep third, a little on the outside edge of Waddle. All of a sudden, Tua, blue 45, blue 45, and here comes Tyreek flying across the field. And that guy's kind of focused the corner. He's focused on Waddle, and he's thinking, I just got to drop back and get my third. But now Tyreek Hill's going wide outside at a million miles per hour. And, and you, you can, can get, get plays, plays and, and they, they do at times, times where the corner's like, oh, no, and he can't get out now wide to his third enough from, a, from, from, from what the motion has done. And McDaniel is, uh, I think you heard me say today, last night, I think he's the closest thing to Shanahan we've seen in football. With It's not just motions to, is it man or zone? or it's It's got a whole different tactical approach that, I don't think a lot of NFL offenses have even figured out exactly what they do and how they do it to that extent. I think he may be taking Shanahan to the next level Shanahan. He's doing it more through, let's just pass the ball. Shanahan does it and goes, wait, I still want to run the ball, give the ball to McCaffrey. They're doing it and going, we just want to get Tyreek and Waddle the ball, and we want to give it to Mozart every now and then just to keep you honest so Tyreek and Waddle can keep getting the ball, right? That's, that's the difference. And then, you know, as we wax poetically every week, I mean, Tyreek Hill is – I played with Joey Galloway. I played with CJ2K, right? They were blazing fast. I, I've, this is the fastest offensive player I've ever seen in my life. I think I would say that. Dion's the fastest defensive player I've ever seen in my life. Tyreek's the fastest offensive player I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, when we talk about play design and taking advantage of these great pieces, you mentioned the play earlier that resulted in the replay review and there was the 10-second runoff when they determined that the knee was down in bounds. And they just kind of casually line up and the clock's going to start running and that play they ran now the quick motion just quick motion and Tyree Kill is wide open and they make it look easy it looked like it looked like NFL team versus college team that's how easy they made it look there's an understanding of what the other team's doing their rules and how to mess with it that's what always makes Shanahan special and McDaniel's the first one off that tree 
that I look at to go, he has a total, complete understanding of what Shanahan was doing in, in San Francisco and Atlanta before that. Uh, and he's taken it and put his own spin on it, but still puts you know as much or maybe more pressure on you than Shanahan does with the 49ers. And that's part of this broader chess match. And again, a coach told me a few months ago, it's only a chess match if one team isn't all pawns and the other team isn't all rooks and queens. Right. But when you do have relatively equal talent and you have an offense that takes advantage of and exploits weaknesses in the basic rules that a defense has, the challenge then is to come up with something else. And if you don't, you, 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 you fall on your own sword involuntarily. I, you, you, your, your system beats you because you get a genius like McDaniel who is able to you know, to, to, to just turn that around and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. He's, right. he's, just, he's got the code cracked. He does. He's got the code and cracked. And he is, he is amazing because he and Shanahan personality-wise are so friggin' different. The sideline interview <laughs> right at the one half. Of the best of all went, time. Like, well, what, have, what are you guys doing out there? Well, I'm not doing anything. Just his typical, <laughs> usual, the literal self. The delivery the is, deadpan. is great. And then when he's done, he realizes there's a guy with the steady cam that's going to follow him to the locker room, and he starts jogging, and he looks back at the guy, and he takes off in a full sprint. I mean, that's just... just and continues just, to look back. Yeah, and and like, uh, are you going to keep up with yeah, me? Yeah. I mean, he's, he is. He's hilarious. Well, that, that, that steady cam is like 60 pounds. Yeah. No, he's not going to keep up with you. <laughs> but it, it's just there's an awareness to him, and he's fully engaged in everything he does where he's constantly willing and able to react to whatever you say and spin it around and just like when we said to him you can't hide money yeah, not, not trying, trying to, to. <laughs> right instead yeah. of just laughing it off yeah, like right. he's constantly on constantly thinking and constantly ready to pounce with something no doubt so here we go that's here's, where his yell education we've got comes the, in and there, there he goes there he that. goes <laughs> hey, he's beating up hey can you keep <laughs> up can you keep looking up? back he's so funny yeah uh, somebody needs to tell him how heavy that is but there he is like okay here are you gonna are you gonna jog with me off the field oh you are yeah, yeah. try to keep up with this <laughs> i mean he can move now he's skinny as hell that helps and he was a player i've yeah. seen so many of these coaches when you see the pictures of them from their playing day the first thing you notice is they had like a football player neck and at some point, the football player neck dissipates yeah, when they're not exactly. in the weight room as much as they were. But he's uh, I think you would look at him and say, that guy never played football. But he did. He, he did. did. And he, he did. was much larger than that at one point in his life. Yeah, but he's, he's found his niche. And this is what he's supposed to be. And he's kicking butt right now. That Dolphins team is, as we expected, we knew how talented they were. It's definitely one of the five best rosters in football. You throw on top the coaching. You throw on top the defense still getting comfortable in Vic Fangio's scheme. They looked better last night, right? There was a defense last week that gave up some big plays, got gashed in the running game by the Chargers. Uh, that was not the case last night. They played pretty stout up front. We know they're still missing Jalen Ramsey on that side of the ball. We know their offensive line's not even healthy yet. So I don't think we've even seen the best of what the Dolphins have to offer. And then off of that, Mike, too, I do – I'm not giving up on the Patriots here yet either, too. The Patriots have shown that you know, Eagles, Dolphins, they weren't outclassed by either one of those football teams. Now, like we talked about, lack of playmakers a little bit, needing a – you know, uh, and needing to play a little bit of a clean game, which I think, you know, the Patriots usually do when they'll get into that mode. But, you know, Mac Jones interception down in – field goal area. I don't know if you got to see that or if you were doing the third quarter taping, but they were kind of in field goal range, yeah. fringe red zone. Xavier Howard 
had clear position on Devontae Parker. The one that it's like, was that a catch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, just, I saw that one. Like, just, just d- don't throw it. You know, there was he had gotten Devontae Parker pushed up against the sideline. In fact, I think Parker was out of bounds. He got him pushed out of the sideline to that extent. And there has to be a point when you're in that delivery to go, wait, my guy has no chance. I can't throw a back shoulder or a go route. And you just got to kind of abort mission, mid-throw or mid-gearing to throw, and throw it out of bounds. But he just throws it nonetheless. Xavier Howard gets it. They're moving the ball at another time where they are kind of got things going. And that was when Bradley Chubb made one of the biggest plays we've seen him as a Dolphin. He comes behind Douglas, kind of knocks the ball out of his hand when the, the, uh, the Patriots are driving. And those proved to be you know, two big moments where, yeah, the Patriots had chance to get at least, let's say, six points on field goals, and they didn't get that. And, of course, that kind of changed the dynamic of the football game. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. While we continue the Mike McDaniel Love Fest, I thought earlier of the tweet from, I can't remember when it was, but I have it in front of me. Here it is, early February of 2022. The... Mike McDaniel resume from 2005. Jeff Darlington of ESPN posted this, this screenshot of it. Career objective, to continue my professional development toward the goal of becoming a Hall of Fame NFL head coach while contributing my experience, knowledge, and character to an NFL organization in the pursuit of a world championship. That's just, that's Mike McDaniel. That is consistent with everything we've seen from the way he articulates himself. And I, he's on his way to becoming one of the best coaches in the NFL. Now, you, yeah. you, you prove that by competing for championships and ultimately winning one or more if you're going to be regarded one of the best. Right. But to see him against Belichick, somebody texted me last night from one of the other teams, this just kind of feels like changing of the guard. Sure, definitely. Where you've got the young guy who has the number of the older established guy, and you just wonder if this is just two ships now passing in the night and one's going this way and the other's going the other way. And the dolphin ship is the one that's moving in the right direction. I, you know, I think you make a fair point there. We know Belichick is still extremely smart. They had a good defensive game plan last night. But I think, yes, McDaniel can match wits with them. And then, of course, they have a more talented football team. And I think, you know, between that, yeah, the, the Dolphins, I think, are about to be the new kings of the AFC East with the way this, this team is set up. And I give Tua and Mike McDaniel a lot of credit in two areas. One, Tua being patient for the most part. He had the, the interception that 
you know, he underthrew a go route to Tyreek Hill, or I think it might have been Waddle, actually, you know, pretty egregiously. It was Tyreek. It was it just was another one of those where – and, and look, look, it's okay to say Tua is a great quarterback. Tua runs the offense perfectly well. But let's not assume he's got this incredible deep ball accuracy yeah, because once or twice a game, right. there's, a, there's a throw – that doesn't go far enough. Exactly right. Now, maybe that's because Tyree kills too fast and you can't outthrow him, but the, he had to stop and wait for it, and it got intercepted. Yeah. No. And, and that's, that's, that is not a great deep ball throw. No, that, that, that is definitely not a deep ball Would have been a touchdown if it was put out where it needed to be because Tyree kills going to run right by that yeah, guy. No, Tua has more arm than this, too. But it, the ball doesn't come out clean. But let's just – if he throws that to the goal line right there, that's a 63-yard pass, right? He, he, he might be capable of that. But as we see on the highlight, and if you're watching, you know, and, and watching us on TV right now, this ball gets caught at what? The 15, 16 yard line? So he, he maxed out there and threw it 47, 46 yards. And I know he can throw farther than that. But yeah, those are, those are, hey, two is on fire right now. We know that. But that's one of the limitations he has. He's not going to, you know, be Mahomes or Josh Allen or, or Justin Herbert. Once or twice a game, that's going to happen. Right. And it's okay to say it. We're both kind of like hesitant about it because, well, because if like you say Tua that, Mafia. you hate Tua. Yeah, right. It's Tua and on. They're still out there. I know. And, and But it's okay to point out what we see, what we see. What did we see there? He underthrew the ball. And if he irons those out, he is clear-cut MVP. MVP. Yeah, He's you. already in the conversation. Right, right. But those are glaring. Those are big moments. And last week when it happened against the Chargers, it wasn't intercepted. It could have been. Yep. This week it was intercepted. You just – you have to find a way to, to smooth that out. They're still winning despite it, but you, you just can't have those. And to Tyree Kill's credit, it's not like, you know, he still keeps going. And he doesn't – I don't know what he's saying on the sidelines, but I think he just accepts, but that's hey, it. you know you what? Can't You're gonna, you can't have it all. Right. You want the nice studio, you can't have the stick mic. Right, just right, like, you know, right. you, you, want, you, want, you want to have this offense where you're getting the ball all the time and the team scoring points and they're winning games – Every once in a while, he's going to float one up that's going to get picked off or it's going to be underthrown. That's just going to happen. Yeah. Listen, they got a lot of things that are awesome about their offense. Okay, Tua can't throw 65 and 70-yard bombs you know, on a line. Uh, and not everybody has it all there that way. But the Dolphins are damn good. We know that. Um, they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC, I think, throughout the year. And the Patriots started off with you know, probably the two hardest games out of anybody in football here. They're 0-2. But, you know, we saw last year. They'll, they'll fight out of this, and I think they're going to still have something to say in this whole AFC playoff picture and, and be involved in this as the season goes on. All right, so uh, we move on to one of the other big games of the day. Not that it was a close game, but it was a significant game in that it, it reaffirmed to us that the Cowboys are pretty damn Ooh, good man. and that the Jets are still going to have their work cut out for them, yeah. obviously, without right. Aaron Rodgers. Not that... Not that they would have been favored to win the game with Aaron Rodgers yeah. in Dallas against a team that absolutely dismantled the Giants week one, 40 to nothing, but 30 to 10. Pretty significant outcome for the Cowboys. And look, we talked about MVPs. At what point is Micah Parsons not just defensive player I, of the year, yeah. but MVP candidate? I, yeah. Usually with a defensive player, You've got to sprinkle in a little offense from time to time, like they tried to do with J.J. Watt 10 right. years or so ago. But it was Allen Page in 71, Lawrence Taylor in 86, and at some point we got to start talking about Michael Parsons as the NFL MVP. The, the speed, the suddenness, the power, the ferocity, the tenacity, he's just incredible. He's a one-man wrecking crew. 
And we said a couple of years ago, we started to make the whispers of a comparison to 56 from the Giants, That's a bad right. mother right. effer as yeah. he signed his right. name on the jersey you got for me for my 56th birthday. But we're, we're in year three now. And when you see that, that he did yesterday, you really have to start. It's the closest thing we've th- I think we've seen as far as that, right? Yeah. Size, that explosive ability, sideline to sideline, making the play as he does. He, he's honed in the craft as a pass rusher, I think. That's the big thing that jumps out to me this year. Let alone, you know, I think he, he looks more explosive than he did in year one and year two. He's got one of the greatest first steps I've ever seen in my life. I, and it's, it, it rivals Lawrence Taylor in that capacity. You know, last night you heard me say on the show, I go, I, I, I've never seen anything like that. And as I was saying that, I wanted to be like, Deb, why did I say that? I've spent a year and a half saying he's a lot like Lawrence Taylor. And Jason Garrett did a great job of calling me out. And he goes, you have seen that. You grew up watching it. And he's exactly right. It's the closest thing I've seen to it. That's for sure. Uh, the the explosive ability, the change of direction, I think the working of has as he's you know shown us all the hands, the hands fighting, everything there. He's become a different player as a pass rusher in that capacity. Let alone they got some other good defense alignment, they got some good corners. Dan Quinn, who reinvented himself last year, I got to give him a lot of credit again. They're creative, they move people around, and. Because they have good corners, they play man-to-man, and then they go, wait, you're not going to have to play that man-to-man too long either because our guys are going to get there. We're going to not only, just like the Dolphins do, it's, they don't just go, wait, our players are good. Let's just keep it simple. They go, our players are good. Let's give them more of a schematical advantage and really make us great, right? And that's what they're doing on that side of the ball. Dallas's defense is awesome. I think we knew Dallas was really good. As it looks through two weeks, I almost think I, I, you know, undervalued them a little bit or underestimated how good they were going to be. Very impressive. And I think the biggest disappointment of yesterday, I know Zach Wilson, he had his issues, right? And I'll hit on him in a second. But but the real issue of the day, we knew the Jets offense was going to have problems. And I don't care if it was Aaron Rodgers or Zach Wilson. We saw last week Aaron Rodgers started the game against the, the Bills, and it was problems. If it was Tom Brady, if it was Patrick Mahomes, if it was John Unitas in his prime, you were going to have a problem against the Cowboys yesterday. Exactly right. And then with that offensive line, to me, the downfall of the game was the Jets' defense. You know, And one of the things I think you heard me say during the game, the one thing I wish I would have said during the week, if there was going to be one team that was going to be used to the speed of the Jets' defense, it was going to be the Cowboys because they play against their own defense every day. And you could see they were not overwhelmed by the speed of the New York Jets defense. And the, the Jets couldn't get off the field. That was the biggest problem. Some mistakes, maybe some bad defensive calls here and there. But I thought the game plan by Mike McCarthy and company was phenomenal. And they kind of used the speed and over-aggressive nature of the Jets against them. And, you know, Dak Prescott played it really good, didn't take any chances. And he was kind of the methodical six-year, eight-year, six-year, eight-year. Oh, there's a 15-yarder. Boom. And uh, he played really, really well, you know, for, this, for the second week in a row. First week, he didn't have to do much. This week, he, he did, and he played really good. Cowboys are the fifth team in the Super Bowl era to score at least 70 points and allow 10 or fewer points through their first two games of a season. And Micah Parsons, yeah. two sacks, four tackles, four quarterback hits, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble. He has two or more sacks in 28.6% of his career games, 10 out of 35. It's the highest ratio of any player in league history at 28.6%. Second place, Reggie White at 21.6% of his games with two or more sacks. So when he's on, he's on. And he's on about three out of ten 
games where he's getting two sacks. And yesterday was as unstoppable as I've ever seen him. Ever. The, the, the sack where he just was shot out of a cannon. When he, twisted, and was when he like, came the outside crap. and then he went back yeah. inside. And it all happened like happened a cobra so strike. Right. That's right. the thing. Right. He, he had a path to the quarterback. Yeah. And he had to get through traffic to get there. This isn't just Reggie White throwing a guy and into the quarterback like when he threw Chris Carter into Warren Moon all right. those years ago. This is a guy with a path to the quarterback but moving there with a speed and suddenness and efficiency of his overall movement yeah. that makes it unstoppable. Offensive linemen cannot stop him when he does that. And he keeps playing like that. He's the best player in the NFL through two weeks. Yeah, you're saying it. You said it right. Don't shy away from it. We'll embrace it. Damn, I'd love to see a defensive player we're, win the we're, MVP. We're wired I'm to so not. Sick of that we're crap. wired yeah. to not. Quarterback, offense, receiver. It's always back. no. Not yeah. even that. Receivers know, never right. won it. You're right. More kickers have won MVP than That's receivers. Insane. Mark Mosley, 1982. But it was Alan Page, 71. Lawrence Taylor, 86. It's been 37 years. Maybe it's time for a defensive player. Who, would it, who else would it be? And we still have 15 games left no. and 16 total there was, weeks. There were some years where J.J. Watt or Aaron Donald, we could have argued, yeah. should have been at least got votes or been right in there. But, yeah, through two weeks, and I think you're hitting it right, the change of direction and the ability to go from zero to 60 in two steps, it, it rivals the greatest pass rushers, Lawrence Taylor, I've, in, in the history of football. Uh, so that, that's where it is. It is absolutely amazing. And uh, Dallas – as we always talk, talent, and then they got a few stars that can make plays and go above and beyond what the offense or defensive scheme asks. And you know, I always just think about what, what we kind of talked about a few weeks ago, that social media video where Michael Parsons is lined up with Jamar Chase. And who was the other player there? I thought it was Deuce, Deuce, Vaughn. Uh, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Right. They made Deuce Vaughn look slow. Well, he beat – I mean, the, the bottom line is Michael Parsons beats Jamar Chase, who's like – you know, one of the three or four most explosive receivers in football. So that just tells you what kind of specimen you're dealing here with, with Parsons. And, and when he's in his uniform, he, he, he doesn't look as imposing as another exactly. one. Exactly. Right? 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 Yeah. It's not Junior Seau. Yeah. It's, it's not, not muscles. It's not even anywhere. LT. No. There's, a, there's a, 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 a length and there's just like a leanness, but the strength is obviously there. Yeah. The agility, the acceleration. I mean, he is. He's the create a Madden player on defense, and he's 99 everything. He just doesn't, he doesn't look it. But, man, when it's time to go, he just, he's, he's got it, and it's a combination of training and natural skill. Because you don't just roll out of bed able to do that. You've got to work and work and work and work to get the absolute most out of your ability. And he does that. And now we're seeing the fruits of the yeah, labor. Yeah, Dallas is dangerous, like we said. I mean, I think it's totally fair to throw Dallas, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the 49ers, you know, through two weeks where you just go, man, a lot of talent. And they look like when you watch the games that they're moving a little faster than everybody else. Um, you know, so, you know, like we're talking about, Dallas is really good, disappointed in the Jets defense, right? And letting up some of the plays and not getting off the field, letting Dallas convert 50% on third downs, you know, controlling the clock. And then here's the other aspect I was disappointed in, too, right? We'll get to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, you know, he, he made a few plays and got out of trouble a few times where you go, nobody's open, he's going to get sacked, and he did a good job there, right? The, but he's got to, at the end of the game, or when the game is out of hand, have a feel for 
the overall game. You got to play the game within the game a little bit. You got to play the politics of the sport a little bit and realize that, okay, I've thrown one interception. It's going to be a tough day, but I can't pile it on here. And he throws two interceptions, you know, when really they were lost control of the football game. Here's one. It's 27 to 10. You can't do this. You're giving all the Zach Wilson haters of the world. Oh, this is Zach Wilson. Look what he's doing. Force, as if Aaron Rodgers and the and and the Jets would have won 30 to 10. If well, exactly. So that's where you just can't do it. And then again, at 30 to 10, I know now he's trying to make a play and do something. But that's the part of the game where. Really, Nathaniel Hackett, Salah almost got to get in his eye and go, hey, Zach, be, be smart here. Let, let's be smart and not take a chance so we don't have to deal with the negativity all week and have to answer the questions about the quarterback again because these mistakes happened when the game was over, and that's what's unfortunate. But the people who didn't really watch the game and just look at stat lines, they're going to go, oh, Zach Wilson sucks and he's the problem. Already the four team. interceptions. I, I see on Twitter, already yeah. four interceptions. He's going to ruin their season. Already, they should go out and sign Josh Rosen. Yeah. I mean, what the yeah, hell? Okay, yeah. Already one comeback win yeah. is what I would say. Under the worst possible the circumstances. Bills. Right. All right, Aaron Rodgers goes out on the fourth play of the game, and it's Zach Wilson Go get your helmet and go play the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen in prime time. Good luck. Have fun. See you after the game. Yeah, it's and they spot. won. Right. So I would have picked the Cowboys to win that game even if Aaron Rodgers had been playing. Agreed. And it might – look, do you think Aaron Rodgers was going to run away from Micah Parsons shot out of Absolutely a cannon not. like yeah, that? Yeah, that's what I, I said a few times during the game. I think you might have heard me where early on I was going, that's one thing that Zach's got on Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have got out of some of the jams that Zach Wilson's got. But, yeah, that was disappointing there altogether. It was disappointing the Jets couldn't run the ball at all. We saw them be successful in week one. Eight the game, carries the for, game, for Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, the game fell out of hand. And then we got back into a problem that arose last year with the Jets. Young people in their locker room talking too much. Be quiet. That's a good point. This is where Salah, you know, he embraces the, you know, the renegade attitude, which I love. All gas, no brakes. Right. But at some Sometimes point, you got to tap the brakes. Sometimes you got to tap the brakes or just jam on them and say, shut the <laughs> hell up. You don't know what you're talking about, young kid. Okay? Brees Hall complaining on social media. Right, right. Sauce Gardner deleting his Twitter account. Yeah, I mean, guys, you got to be able to go with the highs and lows. Again, what did you think? Did you really think, did you really believe you were going to go down there and win. And I made that point last night, and Devin McCourty said, do you not know any Jets fans? They believed that that team was going to go down there and win. They allowed themselves to get swept up in this idea, and I think the team got caught up in it too. But let's not panic, Jets. It's one game. Because that, what you say all the time, you can't let one loss become Come two. two. Yeah. They got the Patriots this week. The right. Patriots are going to be extra desperate at 0-2. No doubt. you got to forget about what happened against the Cowboys, and you got to reset and you got to get to two and one. You can't let your frustration from losing thirty to ten to the Cowboys to make you think, "Oh well, it's over. Oh well, we're going to suck without Aaron Rodgers. Oh well, maybe next year." Because then you will be one and two, and you will be one and three, and you will be one and four, and you will be one and five at the break. Remember, there was all that talk. They got the Eagles in week six. Yep. They go into their bye. Are they going to be two and four? They're going to be three and three. Right. Well, if you don't put this behind you quickly, what happened yesterday is going to lead to you being one and five 
at the bye. Yeah, that, 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 you're exactly right. And that's where they got to be mature here. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, Robert Sala, they, they got to get in the ears of the guys here, calm them down, and, and, you know, hopefully have a nice focused week where they can get back to business against the New England Patriots. And, you know, these games are so important. And there's so much emphasis. There's so much buildup. There's so much attention. There's so much focus. When things don't go your way, I think one of the biggest requirements of coaching is to just get guys to calm down and forget about it. And it helps if you have someone in your locker room right. that can do it. No doubt. Or right. a big-time quarterback. That, it, it, it's, it's just two things. You're right. Somebody in the locker room who can get on everybody, a, a mature veteran leader type of guy, or a really good quarterback where – you know, the team goes, we're never at it, right? We, we see the Chiefs do stupid stuff and go off, and we go, man, they're not playing very well. But they kind of, wait, let's just keep playing because we got 15, and 15 will make some plays and will get us back in this football game. And, yeah, there, there's, you know, that always helps. But, yeah, right now, uh, Sala and some of the veteran guys in that team need Alan Lazard, right, C.J. Mosley. They got to get in some of these young guys' ears and tell them to be quiet. Because this is what happened with the dysfunction of the team last year. It became too much of the players talking to the media and making State of the Union addresses for the organization. And you're going, you just got here. You don't know your, your ass from your elbow yet. <laughs> so just be quiet and play football and, and get back, you know, on the horse and, and keep going at it. Let me give you a great example of that before we go to break. Yeah. Even though it isn't from that game, it proves the point. I got Tyler Lockett from the Seahawks on the phone yesterday because he had the game-winning touchdown, yeah. and we may talk about that play coming up. But I asked him during the conversation. I try to be as, as efficient but also as complete as I can when I have that four or five minutes. What did you do to get past this horrible disappointment of losing at home to the Rams week one? Because in my mind, that's the kind of thing that can cause the whole thing to go sideways. Well, to get your ass kicked at home by a team that many thought was going to be horrible in the home opener when you're trying to go next level how do you get past that and he said Bobby Wagner yeah Bobby Wagner got us and he said look look this isn't college where one loss dictates your season where one loss keeps you out of the playoff right we got to forget about it yeah we got to put it behind us we lost that game now let's go win the next one. That's right. And what did they do? Yeah. They went to Detroit where everything was stacked against them, and they had the Honolulu blue ski masks everywhere. And by the end of the game, they had one of those ski masks in the locker room. So you need someone, and it can't always be the coach. It has to be a player who has the authority, who has the personality, and who has the ability to get the message through to those young players. Agreed. And, and that's what the Jets need right now. And Robert Sala, I think he's smart enough to figure this out. He needs somebody to get those young players in line because if they're not careful, they're going to be one and two. And then they get the Chiefs, and they're going to be one and three. Yeah, this and is where the Rodgers would have been great. And then, and, right. right. And they need, maybe they need Rodgers back, and they need yeah. him around. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Once he's able to fly again after this Achilles surgery, right. maybe, maybe the, the, the sooner he's back with Zach Wilson. He can be a voice. Maybe the better off they'll be. Let's yeah. take a break. Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones are back with Patrick Mahomes. That means the Chiefs get back in the win column. We'll talk about the Chiefs win over the Jaguars when this Monday edition of BFT Live from our new studio returns. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.